Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you today, even if it is virtual. And I hope you'll excuse the noise of the insects and perhaps lawnmowers that you're going to hear this morning. Will you join your spirit with mine in prayer? Prepare our hearts, O speaking voice, to accept your word. Silence in us for this time any voice but yours, that hearing we may find clarity and respond in love. Amen. Our text today is a tough one, I think. And I think it's made even more tricky by the divided, contentious world that we live in that affects every arena of our lives, our health, school, family, sports, work, and even church. And many of us, I think, are just disheartened and tired of trying to bridge divides that seem unbridgeable. It seems impossible to try and talk across these divides. And even as I wrote this paragraph, I was interrupted by a phone conversation I had with a relative in which yet again, we just talked past each other about events of the week. So when we come across a passage like this, we might just feel tired. One thing we can say is that this passage tells the truth. It acknowledges that the potential for division and conflict and yes, sinning against one another is there. So let's take a deep breath and look very carefully at what this passage advises. All of chapter 18 is about learning practices that can build caring community relationships. Jesus knows that this is going to be so important in the coming days when he will be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And it'll be important even beyond. It's going to matter that Jesus' followers know how to hang together. As the chapter begins, the disciples wonder what it takes to be great in God's kingdom. Jesus says, be humble like a child. They want some surety about their place. He says, don't worry about your place. Instead, worry about causing little ones to stumble. Now, these little ones could be actual children. They could be people that are new to the faith, or it could be people in the community who just have less status, who are more vulnerable. Jesus says, be like God, who, like a shepherd, goes out relentlessly looking for that one lost sheep. So focus not on your own place. Don't live into your fears and needs for security and belonging and kind of inflict that on those around you. And instead, be active and vigilant about caring for those in the community who maybe don't have such a place, who are vulnerable, who are on the margins, like little children or lost sheep. And then he comes to our passage today. Steps for reconciliation and healing when those inevitable breakdowns occur. 
Jesus outlines a process, but it's important to look beyond just a series of steps for the spirit within the process. So we notice that reconciliation is the goal, but there's no guarantee. That the process requires vulnerability. It takes guts to go to someone and tell them how you feel, how they may have hurt you. And the process requires commitment. Treating someone as a Gentile or a tax collector doesn't mean kicking them out of the community. As one scholar put it, it means regarding them as an object of mission, like that one lost sheep. This process also requires one element that I especially want to focus on today, listening. I want us this morning to put ourselves in the place of that person who someone has approached to tell their story of feeling wronged or sinned against. Notice that the passage uses the word listen four times. Four times this one has the opportunity to listen, to drop their defenses and try and hear whatever pain the other is experiencing and maybe to consider how their attitude or behavior is contributing to that pain. And if we remember the context of the first part of this chapter, a discussion about little children and lost sheep, those on the margins, those with no place of power, those who aren't great, we also have to consider that this passage is obligating those with status and power in the community to listen to those who may not have power, whose voices may not be readily heard. Now, I want to offer a word of caution here. The expressive speaking and active deep listening that Jesus calls for is not easy. And it requires thoughtfulness and prayer. It requires growth in self-awareness. As best we can, we need to look at our motives for speaking and be discerning about our listening so that this process doesn't become weaponized. And we need ongoing and continued interaction with God to help us do that. Once, uh, and I've told this story to some of you before, so you're going to get to hear it again. Once I was facilitating a discussion with a group of deacons on the spiritual practice of listening. And I shared with them an article written by a Jewish scholar who pointed out that the Jewish faith is not based on reading, but it's based on speaking and listening. A foundational scripture for Jews is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, known as the Shema. And it begins, hear, O Israel. One of those deacons, who was also a Stephen minister, shared that when he listens deeply to another person telling their story, sharing their grief or their pain or their struggle, he finds it to be an experience of deep intimacy. And we wondered if maybe that's what God was after, in that invitation to hear deep intimacy with God's little children. 
And I wonder if that's what Jesus is after here, inviting us to be vulnerable and honest and committed to one another, to listen well and through that, to nurture intimacy and spiritual community. Now, as I said, this isn't easy, for sure, for any of us. In our lives outside of church, often our communities are more alike than different. In this group, we like yoga, in this one nature, in this one cooking. But that's not the way it is in church. Being in church together is no guarantee that we have anything else in common. Kathleen Norris, in her essay entitled Church, writes about this lack of uniformity and the struggle to maintain unity as the body of Christ. From the outside, she says, and maybe from the inside, church can look like a pretty contentious place. But, she writes, in a way that's also part of its beauty. Our community is not an affinity group. It's not based on uniformity or agreement. We're all just flawed, limited humans loved by God and learning to be God's friends together. We have to work at hanging together. We have to challenge ideas about status, about being sure we know what's right, about whose voices count. And she writes, that is why when the battles rage, people hold on. They find a sufficient unity, a rubbed raw but sufficient love, and even the presence of God. And so I wonder, what invitation is God offering us in this passage? What invitation is God offering you? within our faith community. How might you build up your relationships through listening? Whose voices haven't you heard in a while? Are there good questions we could ask each other? Questions like, what's worrying you? What are you afraid of? What's refreshing your spirit these days? What's weighing on your spirit? Where is God in this, whatever this is, for you? And in these days where we're trying to figure out how to be church, is God speaking to us about new ways of building community? How will we listen? I want to leave you with a spiritual practice to try. I'm a big one for spiritual practices. Things we do regularly and intentionally that help open us up to God, that help shape us over time and help us to grow. I came across this suggestion when I was doing some research on facilitating small groups discussing racial injustice. The suggestion was, when your initial gut reaction to something, your internal reaction, is, I don't agree with that, to notice, to pause, and to shift your internal response to, 
Maybe there is something I don't understand. I don't agree with that immediately puts up a wall, locks us into positions. Maybe there is something I don't understand, makes a little bit of room for some questions, some good, honest questions. And then we can listen. Amen.